0: This is UI Therapy, episode two. Cue the music. Welcome to the UI Therapy podcast. My name is Jake Hopking, and I'm a user interface design and development expert, online user experience consultant, digital product designer, and I'm also a keen photographer and complete coffee addict. Each week you're going to learn actionable strategies, mindsets, tips and tricks that will help you take the guesswork and confusion out of designing and building beautiful and intuitive user interfaces. This podcast is your secret weapon in cutting through the paralysis of tooling, framework and methodology analysis. And now, onto this week's episode. Welcome to this week's show. Today we are interviewing Kingsley Hopkins. He's my brother and He's also a games designer and well, he's a programmer as well. And he focuses mainly on user experience within games. Hello, hello bro. How's it going?
1: Hello. How's it, how's it going? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, by the way, this is um, my first ever interview on the podcast. So please forgive any kind of awkward silences and awkward sounds, basically. Um, yeah, so I've got, got some... Before we get started and get into more of your, your professional or professional background and professional stuff. Um got some introduction questions that maybe we could, you know, get the the listeners up to up to speed on what you do and who you are and that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Um all right, so uh, maybe you can share a little bit with the audience about your background.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Um so I'm just about to graduate from a degree in games design. Um and Ah. <laughs> that's it. That's all I am, unfortunately. I'm, I'm a game designer and game developer. I'm um Yeah, that's literally all I am as a person, I guess. Where where, where, are you st- <laughs> where are you studying?
0: Uh yeah, I study at um the University of the Arts London. How did you get into this industry? I mean, how did you get into the course? Maybe not how did you get into the course, but what made you choose the course and
1: Well, I I've always been very interested in um building building games and just kind of messing around with technology, and I think that um, I, was, I was, at the time, I was actually quite undecided on what path I should take. I wanted to go down more of an academic route, but I think, it, at the end of the day, I, I decided that I would like to be a bit more creative with with the, um, with the what I design, so I, I, I decided to go for a course which is a bit more flexible, and although it had programming in it, it was it was also a lot about the design role as well, so it was Designing, discussing what makes a good gameplay what makes good gameplay what makes a good experience how can you modify the experience to make it more enjoyable for the player what's too frustrating and I think that's that's why I was mainly interested in this course uh, well this, this this kind of path that I'm going going down at the moment um yeah no I think I think that's that's why I wanted, I wanted to be more involved in like the response of the player
0: So yeah and what what kind of split is it in terms of design versus
1: development time sorry then.
0: what would be the i guess the course if you're going to separate between design and development time what's the kind of split the ratio
1: um well i think i think it definitely comes down to more that when when coming to like design something it's we, well my, my personal approach and the approach that um my teammates also also follow is we've just spent a week just. Kind of spit balloons of ideas and we pick, just kind of pick one uh there seems at least somewhat interesting and we'll prototype that for roughly a week and we'll see if that's even because like, after a week's week's worth of time we'll we will find out if it's a good if it's even somewhat interesting mm. Um and then once we found out that if it's even if it has anything interesting about it we'll kind of go back to the drawing board and kind of iterate on what parts were good what parts were bad and then we'll we'll cut the fat and then re-approach the project again completely from scratch I'm um, looking doing anything again and then and then we'll we'll keep on doing that until we get to a state where we're quite happy with the product um and then we can actually start designing the game properly so there's a lot there's a lot of iterative design going on in um in the games that we that we make and and design um what do you what do you use for
0: designing stuff
1: um so so mainly we, we actually we most of the design work is quite physical um, so we have a massive whiteboard downstairs, and we just be draw out everything how we want an interaction to work, or how we think some type of gameplay element will work. Mm. And we see we'll see it we'll see it top down. We can probably see what the issues might be, but if we're unsure, we'll then just quickly go actually create like a physical prototype of it and see how an interaction will work.
0: What do you mean by a physical prototype? I mean an actual tangible um,
1: thing. So very so uh, like a, like a draw like. Imagine a, not imagine it, it's it's like a, a whiteboard and say if we were doing some like map design, such level design, uh, you can draw like you wanted the the focus of something to be so you wanted the focus of your player like you want the player, think sorry, again, you want the player to see something in the distance and you want to make sure that your level design is makes it easier for someone to see something. So you, you can easily quite see you can see quite quickly where the obstacles will be within like your field of view. Mm. So you can move things around, and you can be, you can be quite certain that they'll see that. Obviously, you can never be a hundred percent certain. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll draw, we'll physically put things in in the way of like where we'd assume the player to be, yeah. and from that we'll get, Okay, this will probably work. Maybe we'll see how this looks in in like some software.
0: Do you do like prototypes in in programming as well, or do you, do you just kind of once you've got your design stuff, do you get to go fully into you know, pull on development using whatever you use.
1: Um, so I would say that w- w- once we, once we finished our, our physical prototype process, which however long that might be, um, we'll begin to build a product and we'll, we'll use block out tools. So very simple ge- geometric shapes, um, which can be used to rapidly prototype stuff. Um, and ongoing you, you're prototyping the, like the actual gameplay elements as well. So they're not particularly well-made at this point. You're just trying to see if something works. So you're programming stuff very quickly and it doesn't matter how particularly dirty it is at this, at this point because everything's going to get rewritten at some mm. point in the future.
0: Oh, that's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a, a long introductory question. I realize I'm still doing <laughs> the introductory questions. <laughs> no worries. But that's cool. That's really interesting. Um, what, what what are you working on at the moment? What kind of projects are you, are you working on? Or what do you what's your final project? Or what's your side projects? That kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I've, I, as um, as a designer and developer, I'm, I'm always working on lots of things but at the moment i'm um i'm working on my final magic project which is leading on to uh what i'm going to be developing later which is a game called frog island it's a um it's a third person uh platformer game with a tongue grapple mechanic tongue grapple mechanic you use your tongue as like a grapple to, mm. to navigate um 3d spaces That's and
0: it's really cool I, I, lo- I love a little uh, little demo video on your twitter which i'll put in the show notes and stuff but um yeah, it's cool. Can, you can. Oh, I, didn't know, I didn't know you've actually done I didn't know if you had a. I was t- talking to mom earlier about it. About this, she didn't know you had a. You decided on an actual name, so it's she's definitely Frog Island, is it?
1: Yeah, Fro- Frog Island. It used to be Frog Island Adventure, but we've um, we've cut that down a bit more. It was initially just the word Frog Game, but we've only come up with a name quite recently. <laughs>
0: the, the Frog Game. That's
1: yeah. Which yeah, it was that the developed like if you open the build, it's still called Frog Game. Um, on our side, so.
0: <laughs> I'm looking for the. Actually, having a go at this game.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's um it's open for um the alpha test on zero point three as of two days ago or three days ago. Um, it's still an early block out of level level one, but yeah.
0: So how can how can people go and you know where, where can they go and to play that? How can they get access?
1: Um, they can get access to that uh, at www. Um, www. Frog Island Com.
0: Um. I'll probably link into the show notes for that as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Shameless plug right at the beginning. What can you do? <laughs> I should, I should
0: leave that stuff to the end too. Yeah. Um,
1: um, as as for, um, as for personal projects, um, I, I've been, um, I, I'm writing a game engine at the moment. Currently, um, I'm, I'm building quite a standard game engine just to kind of get my, get my skills up to scratch. Cause I'd like to do um, like rendering it. I want to do a masters and I'm um, like 3d graphics or something around, that, around those lines. And I'm, very interested in that area, so I've been building a game engine from scratch. At the moment, uh, I've got a couple of different ideas for one. One is just a very standard game engine, which I can actually make real games in. And the other one is quite quite an artsy game game engine. It's all about making procedural like, worlds and art. But that's that's significantly further along. And um, I'll be building the other game engine first because I need to get my understanding like a bit. people get a bit better at making making that kind of thing first.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, I. I... I think as you progress on that project, it'd be good to get you back on here and you can talk more about it. But from a, I don't know, a, lay, a layperson's understanding, what would be, how would you define procedural?
1: My my, my goal from the project is to, I, I I I don't want it to be like I want it to obviously be procedural. I want it to be easily to easily approachable from other people so they can very quickly visualize what they're about to build with just some parameters that you can tweak. Mm. So it's it's going to be like a, a textualist, like world and I want people to create the art and the environments just via like maths and yeah mainly, mainly maths actually <laughs> but I want to make it easy for people to to do that.
0: Mm, so you'd have like a pretty a pretty extensive API which people can tap into and just you know generate stuff and is that, that how it would be working or?
1: Yeah I, I, want, I want it to be a very visual process as well so um, there are some some good tools out there for making like shaders which are like programs that I run on graphics card to make things look pretty on computers um uh so yeah some really good shaders like things like called like shader graph and i want to be i want to make something that's a bit more approachable for someone who doesn't want to like use like assets that already exist i want it to be just yeah very very simple just press the button and then you can see, see the pretty thing happen and i want to be dynamic enough that people can make very different things from each other
0: mm, that's gonna be a pretty interesting project to follow actually be interesting to see what people can do with it and to see it in action I'm excited to use it as well <laughs> yeah I can imagine um yeah so that that kind of that finishes the introductory questions the main reason I invited you onto this to be a guest on my my first ever interview podcast um suppose my, my my second ever podcast because the first one was me just rambling about the industry and and a more of a, like a of diatribe against things so <laughs> this one would be probably the most the, the first interesting podcast that will come out um <laughs> I got you on here to talk about your your thesis, um, which is called Approach for Design Complexity in Games, um, which I, I read a couple of days ago. Um, I thought it was really really interesting, actually, because it, it, this touches a lot on user experience within games and then using learning learning processes or learning techniques to to inform gears about game dynamics and affordances within games and that kind of stuff. It was, it was actually really interesting to read. Um not stuff I'd, I'd ever thought about before. Um, sorry, I'm probably talking too much to be for a free, for an interview. It should be it should it should be you talk. It should be you talking more than me talking. Um, okay, so I, I think for this, I'd like, I'd just like to maybe go through the chapters, and I've put, made a few subheadings about um, things within of the chapter. That maybe can prompt you to talk about. you will
1: probably know the paper a bit better than me at the moment. I haven't read through <laughs> it in about six months, but yeah.
0: Um well yeah i mean the first chapter is called complex information or maybe actually before we get into that um maybe I could give me, give people a, a broad overview of what your aims were with the thesis and how you how you approached it really
1: yeah so um my 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 goals for what's that? so i i all right, so so I would say that my goals for my paper was to actually begin to create a formal approach for actually designing games. And it's been it's been done multiple times, um, but I was I've been quite unhappy with like a couple of the approaches that I've read. And I was like, I, I think that there there could be a more friendly way to discuss this information. Um I'm not sure if I achieved that, but um that was that's definitely my my main goal for this. Uh an overview of my thesis, um I would say it was to Begin to create like a, a formal methodology based in science instead of based in like arts, because a, a lot a lot of the not all of them but a lot of the papers relied relied on just hey this is this is how this is how it is instead of here is why this is how it is. Um, so I wanted to bring in information from other fields which are generally which which is widely accepted as like good fields. So generally like psychology. Um... I mainly focus around psychology because I think it's the I mean games are just psychological experiences really they they manipulate you quite a lot into making making you feel certain ways so it's it's a good place to start so I I base most of the information from there um following some other some other fields so some arts some art stuff as well so a little, little bit of color theory um but the, only only the the light, amount because I think that it's it's too large of a topic to just talk about it's a large enough topic. just to talk about on the paper on its own for games, so I just wanted to talk about some some key features within that, um, and also another one which we'll discuss as well, which is um, Gestalt psychology, as well, which is study of like shapes and how that can influence how you how you perceive things, as well as um, affordances, which how you interpret information and how you process that information. So th- those those are my core cool things going into the project. Which I had done a little bit of research on before um, my final year of university, um, and I was I was very excited to begin to to research it some research it further.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I you mean you said you mentioned that those, those are your your core um focus focus I <laughs> those are your, <laughs> those are your two core focuses for it, which you just mentioned was gestalt and the affordances, which are two things I. Wasn't aware of. So that was really interesting to... Just the word affordance is something, not something I've ever really thought about. But obviously it's, it's used in to afford and affordable and that kind of stuff. But using it as a... What is it? Is it, is it a verb? It's not a verb, is it? It's like a it's a, a noun. and an, an affordance. It's an interesting thing to, to think about. And then what was the other thing? you' had order affordances and then... there was, guess not psychology. Was no, that there, the, there was attached to the affordance. A signifier, wasn't it? That, that yeah. allowed... The affordance but then i guess we'll get, we'll get on to that um well yeah that, that's i mean let's talk about a bit more about gestalt and affordances and signifiers and things like that i mean i i, I as i said i'd never heard of gestalt this psychology this psychological whatever you call it how, how would you how would you describe how would you describe gestalt this this thing you
1: um so i i would say it's it's um it's a set of principles which um are generally universally shared between between humans, uh, I only discuss a couple of them within within my paper, and those are the the ones which are, which are the strongest uh, that I I I believe are the strongest for the applicability in games. Um. So yeah. So I I discuss um the first, uh, not the first four. I discuss I discuss four of them, which I think are particularly strong in games because we see them quite a lot in games, which is um like seeing things as groups of information, um, and like and. Yeah, so I I discuss uh, proximity similarity. Um, oh my God, what's the last one? Uh, connection and continuity. <laughs> um, in, in my paper, it's very good. <laughs> I should know what they are.
0: Um, yeah, within the paper, you have uh, a little diagram of yeah. these four different things, right? Anyway, I'll I'll put some some screenshots up, or maybe I can share. Could I share your? Oh, um, I don't
1: think my my paper isn't publicly available to people. Um, it will be soon. I just need to get um. I just need people to. I just need to make sure that it's okay for me to share on my website. No, no worries. But, um, yeah, I
0: and mean, I'll I'll put a little screenshots off of of these four different. Um, what what would be the, the terminology for these things? What are they? I mean, I mean, you mentioned like proximity, continuity, um, similarity, or something. another one, but what what? Yeah, I'm just wondering what they these things are called.
1: Um, well, I mean, the, the only thing that I I know them by is, is design principles.
0: Oh, okay. So these are these are design principles. These are, these are Gestalt design principles in your in your paper you showed an example within a game of i think it was of portal 2 and um there was a line was that was that so that's gestalt right
1: yeah so that that's using um using a couple of principles uh it uses um uses color firstly so it it's um it's firstly using a similarity so there's there's one color and uh, which leads to another place and all these all of these objects are of one color and it's it's also like because it's um one colour, you perceive them as one thing. And alongside that, you also they also move as one, so you see them as one line as well. So that's that's just one of the, the practical ways that can be like, it can be used.
0: Yeah, I like that castel thing. It's so interesting. Um What else was there? Then there's maybe a more bit of a overview of oh, affordances. What what is that? Um what, what is an affordance?
1: So um I'm just go check check my exactly <laughs> exactly what it is but if, from memory it is um what something can, can give what can give to you what it what it affords you mm. um and the signifier is, is what is how you can do the thing um and games have to go because because games don't have like because the games aren't real we don't know how to interact with things that are in a game world so the game has to build up a, a way to communicate this information to you which is which is what i'm trying to get across within my paper it's building up an understanding from the ground up, and that's how how you can approach that.
0: Um, so, yeah, these affordances are signified by like things from, for example, colors, and I don't know, some what would other be other examples of? Because I mean, you show you show some pictures of of red pipes showing ways up to up a up a, a ton or something, wasn't it? So,
1: so the, the, that that one in particular is from um it's from Mirror's Edge, and that one's mainly to signify. It, this, this is going in a direction. It's not trying to tell you how to interact with it. It's just telling you that this is this is where the end is. You need to work out what information is between there. And you, can, you in this context of the video game, mm. you know you can climb pipes. So that's how you interpret that information from that.
0: Ah, uh, see. So then, how, how does how does that get shared with the user from the, from the, from the outset?
1: Um. So it, it's 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 very useful because it, it allows the user to infer information that or red will help me progress towards the goal. So th- the user will be then looking for looking for certain colours to direct them into certain to, to certain areas.
0: How does how do you build how do you build up that I don't know, this mental model for a player within these how to how do you build an affordance? How do you is it is it using is it is it mixing of this uh, colour theory and and gestalt uh, principles? Um is there is there anything else that's kind of fundamental to building up these affordances
1: well i mean, I mean the, the way that you learn information is is really really quite important here as well so you need to make sure you present the present like presenting these, these problems that the user needs to overcome at certain periods so that they really gets into their brain that this is this is how i get past these tasks um but it's it's, it's mainly about starting quite small and making sure that they understand from the onset this is information that we're going to use to communicate what progression is what like what side areas are going to be and how you can get through stuff so like an example that i i use um right at the beginning is there is there's a ledge and you know that you need to progress past this ledge to get past and it has some some white chalk on it and that doesn't tell you at the beginning that you're going to need to always use white chalk to to get past something it's just a way to point your eyes at a certain location that the, where you are gonna where you might want to go to mm,
0: progress so implying that something's different so it catches your, catches your attention yeah yeah I mean I, I think you mentioned that 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 worked um for that particular example it worked at the beginning but it may may have been confusing later on because what was the reason behind that do you remember
1: Yeah, so um although that is a, is a really strong way of communicating information um i I found through through gameplay that if you'd stop Using that information to communicate how you progress, and you just stop it completely. It's quite confusing for the user, and you it's, they may become like unsure where to go because the game's not teaching, like not telling them where to go anymore. So it might actually like hinder the ability for people to explore, explore by themselves because they're always waiting to be told where they should go.
0: Mm. Yeah, for me, I think that was interesting that it seemed like a failure of design. Almost, it's like if you have to, if you have to. Uh, from from a UI d- design point of view, it was we were always taught when I was like kind of learning and cutting my teeth in this industry that if you have to teach someone how to do something, you failed. And I mean, just, I mean, it's not not really possible when you're building out entirely original environments when it comes to gamers design. But I think the idea of yeah you know, showing someone these these signifiers and then they should they should just be naturally absorbed and then either you always continue them. As you as you, you suggested, or I don't know, they they're in, they're they're inherent. I don't know. You've learned how to use them. You don't you don't need them anymore. Or do you see what I mean? It's a bit of a...
1: Mm. yeah. So it it comes down to like the, how you use these um, signifiers and affordances is how you design the rules of your world. If you start breaking the rules that you've set and taught the player, there the players will begin to question how how they should think and how should they, they should approach this game. Uh, and that, that's where the issue like begins because you've taught them for X amount of time that this is how something's done. And then you start breaking that, they're g- going to not really trust the game's information. They're not going to trust the rules of the world anymore. So they're going to start questioning trying to break things and go ways so that they're not sure they're meant to go because the game stops teaching them, stop telling them where to go.
0: And this is where uh, the, the the idea of soft tutorials came, comes into play, I think it was in your your case study wasn't it like if a user's forgotten something or not doing things things right you have this this subtle soft tutorial or ui overlay which shows a button or something
1: yeah um so uh, that, that came my first experience from that was in i think super mario odyssey i think i, I must have experienced that elsewhere before but it's definitely where i noticed it the most probably because it's designed for younger audiences so maybe it pops up more often but um, yeah, so if when you pick up the game again uh, after a long period of time of not playing it, it will get, pretty much give you all of the the overlay like UI tutorials for how to play the game, and I actually found it really useful because I hadn't played the game for a good like four months at that point, and I was like, oh wow, this is how I play the game, fantastic. Um, yeah, so th- that that helped me a lot actually, and I think that it's something that's quite useful to to employ in games actually. If if you can if you if you are tracking if when the users last like came along, which you should be tracking um your users mm. when just to make sure that your game design is better designed as well.
0: Yeah, that leads us nicely into like learning by chunks and short term, long term memory and the, the decay of memory and that kind of stuff. Um could you give give us like a an overview of that if if you remember?
1: Yeah, sure. Um so from from my memory, I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna be forgetting some of the details a little bit. But um, yeah, the users can only process a certain amount of information at one period of time. So it, it's, it's important to grab all that information and put it into one like unit of information, um, which is a very abstract concept. Um, but, but humans do it all the time. Like my, my example is I'm looking right in front of me is my computer keyboard. Um, there's, lots of, there's lots of characters all over this, um, this, this keyboard. But if I just glance at it, I'm like, this is one keyboard. So this is one unit of information that I've abstracted down into a very, like, abstract concept of just one object, uh, and it's about building that complexity up and also teaching it at the same time. So in, in making sure you space that teaching at useful inf- intervals, which are, I can't remember the exact numbers on the intervals, but it's it's surprisingly like soon. It's I think it's like twenty minutes, forty minutes, like one day.
0: Yeah, um, it's a quite, it's an exponential curve, isn't it? It's um.
1: Yeah, and then it eventually put those off. But um,
0: and then you, you try and reinforce the new learning, the the, the reinforcement at, at around seventy percent of of accuracy, ac- accurate recall. Then it, that's yeah. the most effective point to um, or to doing. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Burn into your brain. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, it's, it's it's the foundation of the whole space repetition technique, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, within a game, what would be or within, a, I don't know, even just anywhere like within a UI or user experience, what would be an example of this chunking abstraction?
1: Yeah, I, I can only give an example from something I'm working on at the moment, and it's a bit difficult for me to say how, how well it's worked at the moment because our game is only roughly playtime is about half an hour, so we only get to do the second reinforcement. Um, so the way, we, the way we've taught... Um, the way we've taught like how you interact with certain mechanics in our game which is first firstly we teach that you can grab things um like are on the floor that should look like quite static objects but we've enforced that by a target and you can grab that and you can you can move it and, and from that we later on like, after you've done some more of the core mechanics which is just generally swinging um, we 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 get to we get to test this information uh if they've actually understood it or not and we have um a chest full of balls and then a target again, and obviously you can't you can't hit that target with your tongue. So the information is: Hey, I know I can pick up objects. Can I throw it at this thing? Um, and then we reinforce again that gun later on um, in the next level, where we build another mechanic on top of each other, which is we build the ability to move an object, which you can swing on. So that's that's combining two pieces of information into one chunk again. Mm. Um, so. Surprisingly, the, the game that we're making is, in some ways, the test for my methodology. Um, hopefully, we'll see if it works. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, that's that's the way that we're we're just, we're approaching this at the moment in a real world like use case. And the aim is to kind of build up a base of all these mechanics and then teach them to a point where everyone you, where you know all the mechanics and how they interact with each other and they all they all work like together in one way. Um, yeah, and that's 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 how that's how we've done it in the game at the moment. Um, if that answers your question,
0: I think it does. Yeah, I'm, I just I'm just trying to think of how it can be used in uh, other UI design, like web design or application design, and maybe we can explore at the end of looking uh, going through your thesis.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to discuss that.
0: Was there anything else that was important that you think that needs to be covered there?
1: Well, I mean, it's so, 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 the, the most important thing is about building complexity on top of each other. Um, and it's something that we're, we're still testing at the moment and see if it actually works. But it's, it's about building information on top of each other and again and again. We don't know how far we can take that at the moment. Um, in theory, I think I, I say in my paper, I think it's almost unlimited, but I think that's it's definitely a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but um, yeah, we, we want to see how far and how much, how complex an object can be before the like before everything starts becoming a bit hazy to the user, but I think that definitely comes down again to how often you're reteaching each each core mechanic in each part. But um, yeah, I think that that's that's the only thing I'd like to really cover on the end of that.
0: Mm. I think I, I also I think just just remind my, reminding myself that at the beginning you talked about uh, the human mind is only able to process and hold a certain amount of information at any one time um i think it's a five isn't it give or take
1: se- se- seven plus or minus two if i'm correctly. um depending on the com- complexity of information
0: yeah and what what would i don't know what would be an example of something that would stretch that what, what, would, be, what would be too complicated to hold seven pieces of information What what kind of
1: um, a, 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 a very easy example, which is, I'm always going to bring this back to games because it's um, well, of course. what I study. Um, <laughs> um, a good example of this is which stretches it qu- like almost exactly is chess. Um, you can break things down into a three by three. Like the way that I think I, I think I discussed this in my paper, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so professional, not all of them, but a lot of professional um, chess players, they break down the entire chessboard into three by three chunks of information. Um and then they, they, they know the set patterns for each of these situations that they could possibly be in. And that's that's that there is stretching just about the maximum of what a human can easily do. Um well easily in inverted commas, you know, what, what's possible to do. Um yeah, so it's it's about storing all those all those possible scenarios in your head and comparing them against what's
0: currently on the board. And this is an example of chunking again. So is it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's an example of chunking and um long term. This is actually chunking. And storing long-term memory, which is solutions to, um, in this case, it would be like puzzle, puzzle, puzzle pieces.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I struggle with this. I don't, I don't know. It's not the concept of seven plus and minus two. It's what is in. What is that? What is that seven? And it's like, I mean, if if you you keep abstracting these, or keep chunking these up into more, more, and more abstract pieces, then it's, it's, yeah, I think as you mentioned just a minute ago, you said potentially infinite. But um, how, how do you how do you get there? Do you, you have to go through a process of short term to long term to permanent memory before you can you know add yeah. a new add a new abstraction on top of that trunk?
1: Um, I I believe so. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure how how long it takes for a user to actually be able to like long term store the information before it can be retaught again. But yeah, pretty much exactly like that. Um, You, you learn the piece of information, you store it, and then you recall it, and you, you get a bit, you get a bit better at remembering it. And then eventually it becomes second nature of how you understand something. And then from then you can build on top of that. Um, And then you can restart the process again of getting some more information, learning it, getting really good at remembering it. And then eventually you can build on top of that again. It's it's a very abstract concept, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's quite an abstract concept, but it seems to be quite good at teaching people things.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, just thinking about it now, is it possibly one of the reasons why? Well, not one of the reasons, but it's it shed, it shed some light on why it's learning something new is so fucking difficult, because it's getting those core little pieces into your permanent memory before you can start abstracting them away and then chunking on top of those. And that's why the the first bit is so painful a lot, a lot of the time, right?
1: Yeah. So it, this term, this mythology is used a lot in in language and teaching language, um which which is actually how I, how I came across it first. Um, which is the example that was originally I originally read was um, which was the chess example, and alongside that it gave a language example, which was we teach the we teach the sounds and then we teach the symbols, and then we teach. Let me teach. Start like, teaching you very simple, simple like words, and then we start building sentences on top of that. And that that's where it initially comes from. Um, so, in theory, we, I hope that it's possible to abstract that that kind of learning elsewhere, and that's what I'm attempting to do. So,
0: Is it, so this isn't this isn't a standard technique for game dynamics or user experience within games. Is it something that you you I don't know? Maybe you're not. Maybe not. Uh, are you pioneering this idea or? well i mean (laughs) that's a big word to use it's quite (laughs)
1: funny um i i I believed i was uh up until i read some papers um (laughs) which is obviously the way it goes i i but um there isn't much read. there isn't too much um too many papers out there which are related to this exact topic but um a ux designer named, named by us named celia hoden um she actually released a fantastic book um a couple of months just before my I submitted my paper which discusses all of these topics in a lot of detail um I I expanded about a couple of other points here which is about um like less 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 like UI UX um yeah, no, she, she does a fantastic job um at discussing pretty much all all the UX stuff she her, her book is basically just a book of just UX and games and it came out halfway through my dissertation. I was like oh my god could have done this at the beginning. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> what was her name again?
1: Uh, Celia Hoden.
0: Celia Hoden. Cool. Hoden. Um, um, Hoden. All right. I'll I'll find her book and put a, put a link up as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, is there anything else there that is inside chunking and that kind of stuff that you want to you want to talk about more? Because I think I think I've covered what I wanted to ask about. that.
1: Yeah. No. I, th- I think I think that's. Um, yeah, we've discussed like learning with chunks and all, all, most of the information around that. I, I th- I'm, I'm sure there's always some things that i have glossed over, but um, yeah.
0: Well, then what? What, what do we go? We've got actually. There's the next chapter is complex chunks, but I think we've covered that anyway, haven't we? Really?
1: Yeah. So yeah, we, we've definitely gone through that, which is like how I'm approaching approaching this in games at the moment. Um, this, this is me proposing my methodology, which I've discussed a little, a little bit earlier.
0: Actually, I think I like that maybe you could talk a little bit more about. These soft tutorials, I think, I quite, I think they're pretty interesting, especially when it comes to. Well, it's obviously in games, but I think they can they can apply and they do apply. And you see them being used in applications or web apps or not web apps, native apps on your phone, for instance, for a, a new kind of interaction paradigm or something, or a fancy new three D environment on your on your web browser. You get these soft tutorials. Um, what what were some what were some good things you saw there that were or just, some good examples of Soft tutorials that you've, you've come across.
1: I can think. I can think of some bad ones actually.
0: Um, <laughs> that's, that's fine too. <laughs>
1: um, ones that have really stuck with me. Uh, I don't remember exactly what application it was, um, but I hadn't. I, I used to use it. I think it was. It was a note-taking application, and I think they made a minor update, and it, it wiped all my, my my data which I had on it. Um, like, like how much <laughs> shit, I'd be using shit experience. <laughs> it. Um, no, no, they didn't lose like my actual personal information. It lost like my, my metadata. Oh, I see. Um, but it, it gave me a tutorial of how to navigate through the entire website, which wasn't a tutorial. <laughs> it, it was it was just highlighting. It didn't allow me to continue playing the game until I'd finished the game. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It, it, yeah. it didn't allow me to continue using the application until I'd clicked all the buttons, which had been highlighted by dimming the rest of the screen. Um, and I found that I found that very infuriating, actually, and it made me not want to use the application again.
0: Ah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so, sometimes you get into these applications where, or Yeah, about that just force you to fucking go through hoops, and it's like I've already used the software. I'm a I'm a pro pro user. I've been using it for years, but because you've had to sign up with a new email, for some new client or something, and they force you through this horrible cycle. I know it's like what you mean. Yeah, that's pretty awful.
1: Yeah, so I I think from that you can pretty much say that you should allow the people who you just make sure that the people who use your platform quite a lot can are allowed to just explore it without a tutorial being thrown at them. Um. But it, and soft tutorials, I I don't think they're explored too much. Um, even in games, actually, they, they definitely are. But a, a lot of them are ridiculously intrusive, and they really get in the way of gameplay. Um, and that's, that's why I don't think they use very often because they are very easy to get wrong. Um, it's about introducing a very subtle cut by introducing something subtly, or making sure that they don't like forget this this thing.
0: Mm. It's almost but, like um, it's almost like meta meta UI or UX design it's like yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah getting that right to using yeah getting that right to then you can use it to actually inform UX UI within a game so it's, mm. it's it's funny interesting come on it's very very rare that I I've, I come across one on the internet or in an app that is actually of any benefit I mean I mean it, maybe it's not maybe we're not really the target audience for this this kind of thing I'm well, I, I, thinking about web apps and the internet and stuff like that because, I mean, we're pretty proficient and used to it. Maybe it's more to do with, I don't know, older people or less less um, experienced people. I don't know.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think it comes down, the issue with, I think I think you, you, it's very easy to know when something's gone wrong. Um, yeah. Because it's things, you only see these tutorials and applications which break convention. I think that's where it comes from. Mm. Um it, like I don't see I don't need a tutorial on a website which follows a standard convention for web. Although I'm sure that the one that they're pushing may actually be better, but it's more difficult for me to actually navigate whatever space they're trying to like sell to me or actually whatever they're trying to do. And I think that's where, that's where it goes wrong is just breaking convention. And it again it kind of comes back to what I'm saying a little bit, which is but we've like, we've we've learned all these ways of interacting with the web. Um so you're not saying that you should always like you should not saying you should always stick to exactly how it is, but people who do use your like applications a lot, like it's quite annoying and it's, mm. it's frustrating to come to a new website and it being completely crazy and completely different. um Which may be good for the, the workflow of that that platform, but it means it's difficult for people coming to that platform.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, back in back in the other days of my career, I mean, <laughs> there was almost every single website you went to was a different navigation. Paradigm or you know, methodology, or whatever. So um, it was. It was a chaotic time, but I think because of that, everything is kind of intuitive for people who've been through it all because we've seen it all and just used to it all. But for these, for these people who are coming into it from a, or people who are older getting into it, these soft tutorials could be useful, perhaps. But
1: yeah, I, I think that it's it's possible to. I think maybe it might be quite useful if you start using color. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it might be interesting to experiment with using color on your websites to bring attention to to features that you you don't want to like force in the face of the users, but maybe it's like, Oh, this is a button I haven't seen before. And it's because it's a completely different color from, well, not completely different because that might look very garish, but uh, it might be something that's slightly different from what you might expect on the website. So that might be able to, to to lead you towards maybe clicking on that button and finding out what this is about.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I think you could just use some subtle animation or, or, you know, some, Pulsating animation on on these buttons or something would be would be kind of a subtle enough nod to gain some attention from the user mm. without without having these bloody essentially modal windows popping up and you yeah. click through. I, I do had a, a I think you're right. They they often are more harmful than they are beneficial. Um, but I mean I think it's like sometimes as you said mentioned in your in your case studies or whatever it was these little soft tools I think they can be quite useful. It's like you're showing Little, I mean, especially it's in games. I think it's very, it's very useful because you a know, little button pops up and it's not in the way, is it? And you're not, it's not it's not interfering with your environment at all. Yeah. I was just when I was reading, it, I was just trying to think of how, how this could be, how this could be used within apps or websites that would benefit the user. I couldn't really think of anything. <laughs> so, great content.
1: Well, I mean, I think it it, it all comes back to like. You need to know who your who your user is as well. Like, it works really well in the case of like child like kid games, like children's games, because you know what you know that the attention span for that kind of user is going to be quite low. So you know that you need to remind the remind them quite a lot, and it's it's about knowing who who it is who you're targeting. So it might it, I don't I don't know how so I don't I don't work on a web at all. I don't know how much information you are allowed to know or you do know, but that might be something that could be only like targeted ads, well, ads, but um,
0: yeah, I understand it. Yeah.
1: Targeted user experience for someone who's maybe you know is like an older person—they might need to actually increase the size of buttons which are useful to them, or maybe make make them stand out a bit more to someone who is maybe not so well versed in the web and they don't really mind if something is not beautiful or pristine and very corporate.
0: Um, yeah, it's an interesting idea actually. That if you if you've got well obviously if you're a membership site, then you. You go through the sign up process and you share your details, your date of birth and stuff, and you can maybe opt them in to a more high contrast user experience or your UI design. that Then they can opt out of if they want to. But I think that's that's quite an interesting idea, actually.
1: Yeah, no, I think I, I just think it's mainly 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 aiming towards people who are not who don't know the web very well, and that doesn't matter particularly what kind of group that is. But it's just making sure that. You can get the what you want to convey as a product to the user as quickly as possible, um, and at the end it might just be designing something probably quite garish, but I also might <laughs> might kind of get a lot of people to kind of push like move away um, because they might see it as less trustworthy because it's a bit maybe too playful or or maybe it, maybe it's trying to push something on you. I don't know. Whenever I see something, it's like the counter argument is whenever I see something, it's very much like big button click me it's like wow this is this is definitely where i'm getting something something bad so i mean it's it's definitely like somewhere you want to make sure that like you you keep trust to the to the user
0: yeah i mean you could you could you could opt someone into this this way of doing things or then you'd you'd probably want a soft tutorial just to tell them that they can opt out of it yeah (laughs) do you know um what else is in in your thing i guess the last one was proposed methodology
1: um, so yeah, my proposed methodology is, is actually slightly what I've discussed. I don't remember exactly what, what methodology I, I, um, I ended it on.
0: Mm. It was, it was quite short, I think, if I remember. Your
1: proposal yeah, it was. it was a continuation of the final chapter. Um, it was just like me wrapping up everything is, it was the equivalent of my conclusion because, oh no, I actually do include a conclusion. You do um, have a conclusion. I remember yeah. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, no, I remember now I wanted to end on my proposed methodology, but I wasn't allowed to. Oh,
0: you had to end on conclusion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. What was my the I think it, it it was pretty much what I discussed earlier. It was it was about about just approaching this is. Well, we won't know if this is something that we can use until we actually build something that uses it. Is um is it, basically what I end up saying. And now I'm attempting. We are attempting to do something around those lines.
0: Have you had any any user testing that, that can validate anything you've 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 proposed or anything you've uh, you've explored within your paper?
1: Well, um. We can we can we can say that because well, because obviously everyone opt in before they play the game they they agree to being tracked and because it helps us design really easily we can see where people die and where people find difficult and how much time we spend people spend in certain areas um, I think it's actually been very that that's been as equally as important um, to finding out where where we've designed wrong as well um, so it, no it, it has been useful because we can we can see um, like where we've implemented these these learning areas. And we can see that people aren't really getting stuck on them. Um, but is that because it's easy to convey a piece of information? Or is that because of the teaching methodology? Don't know. In fact, we do have to probably ask someone. Um, but even it will only become more apparent as complexity builds. But, um, but currently, with, with, I think it's working. Um, it seems, we've, we've done a test on, I think, roughly 5,000 people now. 5,000? Um, We've oh. we've had five we've thousand players on our first two levels. That's great. Um and yeah, so people don't seem to be getting stuck anywhere where we where we're implementing these pieces of learning and like where you would like assume how to interact with something due to a previous piece of information. Your whole memory, um, your whole
0: chunking of information.
1: Yeah, so it seems to be working, but I I unsure because that's a similar convention to already exists or it's being taught well. <laughs> unfortunately we won't know but as as long as people are getting the results that's positive
0: Mm, that's interesting then on the flip side of that what what would failure look like in in the game other than just being lost
1: major failure is people trying to brute like so people trying to brute force a solution which is just very much just trying to blockhead your way through through and just beat something just by like you think you can do it i'm just going to do it this way and you can see in, in the case of our game there's there's like Equivalent of like death boxes around like certain regions, so when you when you jump into it you die and you get a little node attached to where you died. So if we see a massive concentration of like one one player or lots of players dying in one certain area, it's quite easy to see that oh they don't understand how this works, so they're trying to they're trying to break the game so they can continue. Uh, I see. Um. Or, or also that is where people log out and if they spend a large amount of time in one region,
0: so the high death rates, um, quick exit or bounce rates I guess what do you call it I don't know what you call it in games just X. Ex- what is that in games uh,
1: we 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 just have a tag which says how they exited the game um yeah we 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 have it as like I think we have it as, um quit as in like like quit in game and then we have like exit quit and we we have, we have different tags depending on how people like quit the game
0: and so what what is all this data is it is it a built-in tool or something or to to the game engine
1: oh no no so so it's um it's written by by a, team, by a team member. Um, so we, we, we mainly wanted to know where people were, were failing in our games, and we, we would have actually probably not done, gone through with the situation, actually. Like, we would have probably not gone with this process if COVID hadn't happened, because we would be able to see in, in person how people are playing the game and where they're finding uh, it difficult. Yeah. But because we can't go play tests with people, usually we would play tests with the people of, in, in this Arsenal game, probably around about 20 people, and see how they play it and see where they... Ask them questions and where they went wrong and just mainly observe them. Mm. Um just see how they approach things. They we can't we try our best to not influence how people approach the game because it's basically useless data at that point. Because we've taught them how to play. And we won't be there over their shoulder when they're playing the game at home. So yeah. right. um so yeah, so we we Yeah, so we really wouldn't have gone through this approach if COVID had happened because we need to we need to know how people are playing our game. Um but yeah, it's 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 written by my colleague, it's um, just, just tracks very basic information, but it's because it's lots of basic information from lots of people. We can get mm. useful information out of it.
0: Basically. Yeah, that's really good. Actually, that's, that's a good benefit of this. You know, is something you can? Is it kind of? I don't know. Is it like a library that can be used anywhere, or is it kind of specifically tied?
1: Um, currently, we've got proprietary. It's, it's all proprietary, but um, in, there, are, I think there are better packages out there. It's just this suits our needs very easily right now. And the packages that exist are very expensive, so like to to get good to get packages like five thousand pounds, and then they create you some graphs, basically. Um, and they're very useful graphs. Um, you can get they're authenticated, and you can get show them the publishers and like, hey, this is really useful information. And obviously, they're a lot more thorough with the way that they look at the, the data. But um, we're 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 looking at very simple stuff at the moment, so it's it's okay for our needs. Um, but as as our game expands and the team expands. I'm sure we will need something that's a bit more like fully fledged.
0: Hmm. Sounds like uh, that that particular aspect of the industry is is, is uh, right for disruption because you look at the web, the web when it comes to analytics and tracking, it's just there's no need to pay for anything really. It's just all complete for free.
1: I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure there are some some good like free solutions out there. It's just it's a lot. It was a lot easier for us to just do it ourselves and not have to worry about working with someone else's library and whatever their quirks were and maybe it doesn't hit our needs exactly right now how do we expand upon that so we want to make sure that it was personally as flexible for what we need currently
0: yeah as i said i'm looking forward to actually having a having so on on their website what's it called frogisland.com you say
1: yeah frogisland.com has a link 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 to our itch page
0: itch itch page itch page what is
1: that if you you type in um frog island uh on itch.io you can um
0: you can download it there. What is itch? Is that show, is that showing my
1: uh, itch? Itch is a um, is, indie, is an indie platform for sharing like quite small games. Ah. Uh, our aim is our aim is to have like small like a demo of our game as it progresses, but like limit the amount of content that's actually on there. So it's a demo, it's a public demo for people to try out. Uh, and once um, everything's ready, we're going to put the demo up on Steam, but that's that's a little bit further away at the moment because we want to make sure our demo is a bit more well rounded first.
0: Can you talk about any of the I don't know not um, you, you can't. No worries. Um well maybe, maybe next time <laughs> we could talk <laughs> about that. I
1: can't I can't talk about a lot of stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's that's
0: cool, that's cool. That's cool. Um So yeah, who who can play the game? Is it so it's is it still just Windows or you have you got any
1: Um unfortunately it is currently just Windows, but um it is quite easy to get a, a Mac OS build out, we just haven't done it yet. Because uh, my MacBook isn't quite strong enough to actually play it at a like reasonable frame but we've done some offic- we've done some performance stuff recently so maybe it does run i haven't tested it in a good like couple of months yeah i i'm a real release so there's gonna be a new release in the next like week or so um and yeah I, i'll say it's, it'll be out for all platforms uh, mac os linux and windows
0: is there a plan for a web version or is that too um, much
1: so currently no mainly producer um data tracking um, it does run acceptably well, but not to the standard that I would say is what I want people to experience when they play it. And I guess um, if, you're,
0: if you're going down the Steam route, you're not going to be wanting to have a web version anyway, right?
1: Well, I mean, I'm happy. To, I'm happy. I'm always happy for there to be a public demo for people to play, and as, and any demo that's as accessible as possible is fantastic. Um. So yeah, I, there, there will always be there will always be like a very free, easier version to 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 play.
0: Mm. Is there any? For those who haven't got the right platform, I mean, is there anywhere they can go and see an example of gameplay, like a video or something? Yeah,
1: so you can you can definitely go to to our Twitter, uh, which is Frog Garden Game.
0: Yeah, I think I think that wraps up your thesis. Um, and
1: Brilliant! Thank you very much for having me on uh, the show.
0: No, no. Uh, before I get there, uh, I got some I got some wrap up questions for you.
1: Oh no, I'm scared.
0: So, if you could change one aspect of UI design or development in your industry, what would it be and why?
1: Wow, that's that's a that's a very big question. That's, that's yeah, it's very interesting. Um, hmm, what what I'd like to change about the game industry and in UI and
0: UX? Um, oh yeah, UI design and development. I mean, yeah, it can be at UX as well. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think the main one I can think about is I'm a really. It actually goes back to what you were saying a little bit earlier on. I really, I really dislike ups in games. Um, it's like UI pop-ups which tell you something and then pause the gameplay because um, it breaks immersion quite, really breaks immersion for me in games. So I think that's the thing I'd like to say. I like very much like to be going in games and replace with something a little less, something a little less intrusive. Yeah, big pop-ups in games.
0: Mm. So maybe more of like the soft tutorial stuff or?
1: um, Not necessarily soft, soft tutorial. Just something that doesn't completely stop gameplay and force me to read it before I can continue. Uh, so either okay. just something just at the bottom or... I, I don't quite know the solution to it, but I, th- I think it would be something that doesn't just stop gameplay mm, for me. Well, that's
0: fair enough. That's cool. Um second question I have is for someone joining or is new to your industry and is feeling overwhelmed with whatever it is they've overwhelmed with, what advice would you give them?
1: Um just make games, actually. Um just just do them. Um so that they if you're interested in doing like learning about games, uh, there are fantastic resources such as um uh, Game Makers Game Makers Toolkit, they release really fantastic content on how to design games. Uh and like what what processes are used to think about solutions to like puzzles and everything around everything around that. Um and if you're interested in development itself, um the Unity websites and just learn to make games via there is just it's 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 a really hard thing to say just just do it, but you won't you won't know if you if you enjoy doing the thing until you do it. And you don't need to wait until university to do it or Whatever it is, like you, you can make games whenever. There's so many resources out there.
0: No, I, I, I totally agree with that. Just, just build shit. Make, make mistakes.
1: Make, make fantastic mistakes. Make, make glorious backups. Yeah,
0: because you can spend a lot of time in theory thinking you, you learn, you learn something, and then you come to apply it, and you're like, oh, fuck, I know nothing. <laughs> and that's the most depressing point, actually. Yeah. Um. And then my final question is not really to do with UI uh, or anything like that. The final question is. What's a tool, app, or package that you believe deserves more attention than it currently has?
1: Oh no. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately, I, I use a lot of standard packages. Um, there is a fantastic uh, mathematics library. by for Unity. I begins with a Z, but it's, it's a, it's a mathematics library. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll send you a link afterwards. But it's it's a fantastic library. It. Does pretty much anything you want Unity to do um, that doesn't currently support. So yeah, I, that's what I'll say.
0: Actually, I just realized that I may mean, have mentioned Unity a couple of times in this, but for people who have never heard of Unity, could you give a, a, a broad overview of what it is?
1: Yeah, um, Unity is a game game engine uh, which focuses mainly on C Sharp. It has a couple of other node-based programming languages and has some other, like, space programming stuff but it's it's a very easy very useful tool to prototype games incredibly quickly uh, and it's also very easy to learn uh, this because it's because it's free it's got so much documentation really the best documentation for almost any any software I've ever used actually um yeah it's it's, just, it's a very easy tool to to learn to make games in 2D and also 3D so, but mainly mainly 3D
0: and this framework this unity framework is it used by big development studios to do stuff or do they always have their own proprietary frameworks
1: I can't really say because I've actually really been in the industry but I, I, I believe that mainly uh, Unreal is used and you have also got like Frostbite Engine and CryEngine um, and also some other proprietary ones which are hidden behind closed doors but uh, Unity is mainly used by uh, I would say like it may, mainly indies there are some, some, some larger companies who also use it but it's definitely for smaller scale projects I would say um, and also like this rendering is no, not as good as Unreal's as well yeah, it's just a lot more approachable than I think than Unreal. But I, that's my opinion.
0: That's cool. Um, I think that's it, really. And then I guess final questions, I guess, would be then where can listeners get in touch or we'll find out more about you and your project? I think you mentioned those before, but it's good to put them at the end as well.
1: Yeah, so if you want to contact me, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at BeardyKing. Um, do you follow my game, uh, well, our game. Uh, it's at frogislandgame.com and also... At Frog Island Game on Twitter, um, lots of development updates on what we're doing on Ish.io. Which, if you search um, Frog Island on Ish.io, um, you can find us there. There's some development logs and what we've been doing, what what changes we've made, and what balances and and whatnot. Um, but th- yeah, those are my main. Um, uh, also you can you can email me at hello at sharkwithlegs.com <laughs> Um, Beardy King and Shark with Legs. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, very consistent branding. <laughs> um. I have all of the counts related to Sharkwood Legs, but um I do I I quite like your little logo. I think you showed me that a while ago. shockwood Sharkwood Legs. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's been a logo since I used it since um since first year of university. I drew it up in um
0: uh, Flash. <laughs> of all things. Classic, yeah. That was your first year of hell, wasn't it, all Flash?
1: Yeah, no. I only used Flash in first year. It was um, an interesting experience. Quite fun actually.
0: Anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to shout out or
1: I think I think I've definitely done enough um like plugging of uh, my own stuff <laughs> but yeah no i think that's everything actually
0: that's really cool all right well thank you so much kings it's been awesome for, to have you on and i really appreciate your time especially as it's quite late and you've been have been having some pretty stressful times recently with your work and stuff
1: that's no worries uh, thank you very much for having me on the show it's actually really good to have a chat about what i've been doing um and what i have done with my paper and research um it's nice to have a discussion about discussion about it and maybe discuss it in another context of maybe uh, web UI and, and whatnot like that.
0: Thanks again. And we'll definitely get you back on. I mean, uh, maybe you can be uh, my, my regular guest because uh, no one else wants to talk to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd absolutely love, I'd love to come on again. Actually, it, maybe discuss like some topic or some paper or something around those lines.
0: That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to just, you know, choose some, yeah choose some random. I can choose something and you can choose something. We just, just discuss it. That'd be quite, quite interesting. All right. Thanks for that Kings. Um and, Thank you, the listener, if you've managed to get to the end here. Um, You deserve a a pat on the back as well. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode can be found at uitherapy.fm. If you enjoyed listening, one really easy way to support this show is to leave a quick rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, as it really helps other people find the show. If you have any feedback or questions for this or any other episodes, you can reach me on Twitter, at uitherapy, or I'm at Jake Hopking. Or you can send an email to show at uitherapy.fm. Thanks so much for listening to UI Therapy, and I'll catch you next time. Cheerio! <laughs>